Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do care about the Green Bay Packers and we don't care about anything else. Let's go! Hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. It is Wednesday, June 7th. What does that mean? That means OTAs. They're basically over. We're going to get into mini camps next week. And then, as I say every episode, before you know it, OTAs, mini camps, they're all going to be done. We're going to have a month and a half of pain. And then we're going to get into real football. Can't wait for that. The real football that is not the month and a half of pain. Until then, we are, as you could probably figure out, going to dive into Carl Brooks first. However, a little bit of news to discuss. So, OTAs, mini camps, right? OTAs right now. And the last open practice of OTAs was on Tuesday, of course, with OTAs, with the open practice, where the media gets to go in, take videos, take photos, tweet things out. We got some more Christian Watson clips. Gotta love those. We got some more Jordan Love clips, some more Jaden Reed, some more Luke Musgrave. All a lot of fun now looking at the three players who were not there. Again, OTAs, they're voluntary, so these guys don't have to be there. Jair, Rasul, and Jonathan Garvin, all not there. Jair, obviously a pass. Rasul Douglas, also a pass. Jonathan Garvin, you might want to be there if you're trying to get yourself a roster spot. Maybe there's something going on with him that we don't know about, but he was not there. And then those who were there but weren't practicing, Dontavion Wicks, who we actually broke down last episode, Eric Stokes. Dallin Levitt, Rashawn Gary, Grant DuBose, all those guys did not practice. Obviously, Stokes and Gary are injured. Levitt, Wicks, and DuBose seemingly dealing with something. Hopefully, it's small, though. DuBose hasn't practiced at all. Looking at team drills, what did we see? Well, the starting offense, you had Jordan Love at quarterback, Aaron Jones at running back, DeGuara and Musgrave as your two starting tight ends. The offensive line, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Marnin Jr., and Josh Nyman. That is, of course, from left to right. So, Bach at left tackle. Elton at uh, left guard, Myers at center, John Running Jr. right guard, Yash at right tackle, and then your wide receivers were Dobbs and Watson. Nothing too surprising there. It was, I will note, nice to see David Bakhtiari in team drills because he had not been participating in team drills in the last three practices, so great to see him there. They also added another tight end into the starting set, right? They had two tight ends, so they went with more of a 12 personnel as opposed to last week where I think it was 11 personnel. You took out Musgrave at tight end, put in Jaden Reed at wide receiver. I should note, for those of you who aren't familiar with personnel terminology, 12 personnel, the first digit is the number of running backs and the second digit is the number of tight ends. So 12 personnel is one running back, two tight ends, 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, 13 personnel, one running back, three tight ends, 22 personnel, two running backs, two tight ends. So you get the idea there. Again, more 12 personnel in the starting offense this week. And then Yash at right tackle. That's, you know, fun. Tom was there last practice. So it's just, it's pretty clear that both of those guys are going to see plenty of reps uh, at right tackle. Looking at the second team offensive line, just because I think it's worth going over, you had Caleb Jones, left tackle, Sean Ryan at left guard, Zach Tom, as a second team center, right guard was Royce Newman, and then right tackle Luke Tenuta, and then the third offensive line, Rashid Walker left tackle, Gene DeLance left guard, DJ Scaffy, Scaife at center, Chuck Filiaga at right guard, and Kadeem Telford at right tackle. Uh, notes on the second line, 
tackles make sense. Seems like Caleb Jones, he's getting a lot of really nice reps. Having him at uh, left tackle with the second line sort of tells you how they feel about him. He was getting the starting left tackle reps last week when David Bakhtiari was not doing team drills. So it seems like Caleb Jones in that sort of big battle between Caleb Jones, Luke Tenuta, and Rasheed Walker for sort of that extra tackle spot. Seems like Caleb Jones is, is leading the way there, and that's nice to see. He has a lot of upside. Uh, Zach Tom at center. That's fun. Hopefully he can compete with Myers there. Zach Tom, and actually, this is a quick segue. We're doing a, an episode next week surrounding uh, sort of questions that you guys might have. So again, send in your questions to dedicatedpack at gmail.com. That episode will come out on Sunday. We already have a couple questions in, and one of the questions was actually about Zach Tom and, and how I see him filling in. So I'm going to save save what I have to say on Zach Tom, but it's nice to see him getting reps at center. And then Sean Ryan and Royce Newman at guard. That isn't great, but at least Newman is an average backup. Sean Ryan seems like he's struggled a little bit, but nice to see those guys getting reps. at the third With the third offensive line, not too many comments. Rasheed Walker at left tackle, you know, interesting. Kadeem Telford right tackle, you know, whatever. Starting defense, on the line, you had Lucas Van Ness, Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, and Preston Smith. Obviously, Van Ness and Preston are your two edge guys. Clark and Slayton, your two interior guys. Middle linebackers, Quay and Devondre Campbell. Cornerbacks, Ballantyne, Nixon, Shamardine Charles. And then at safety, Savage and Ford. One note, very nice to see Lucas Van Ness getting some first-team reps. Other than that, not that much to say. I do think Lucas Van Ness, he's going to end up getting a lot of reps this year. He's already got the potential to be, he's got the potential to be a top edge rusher in the NFL. He's already, coming into the NFL, got the floor of being a decent edge rusher. So he's going to be getting reps. And then it's nice to see Nixon back after not being there last week. Obviously, Ballantyne and Shamar Jean Charles getting reps. That all comes down to Rasul Douglas and Jair Alexander being out. I will say, Carrington Valentine might be earning himself some more first-team reps. Obviously, not on the first-team defense today, but sounds like he's been playing very nicely. And speaking of playing nicely, a couple of things to talk about from Team Drills. The first thing, reportedly a really, really pretty love to Dobbs. Touchdown, Romeo Dobbs ran a fade from the nine. Sounds like Love put up a great ball. Dobbs pulled in a really, really tough contested catch, flashing some phenomenal hands. I mean, that's great to hear. Another thing, sounds like Love's hard count has been really, really good. Sounds like he got his own offensive line a couple of times with his hard count. There was one play Andy Herman was talking about where Love had a hard count, got Keyshawn Nixon to show that he was blitzing, then did another hard count, got Keyshawn to show that he was dropping back, I think, and got Quay to show that Quay was blitzing, something like that. So so that's a lot of fun. Uh, Love was already good with his hard count coming out of college, probably just got better learning behind Aaron, so that's so much fun. I love to hear Love's hard count sounding good. Another note, Sounds like Carrington Valentine, I mentioned this, he had a couple nice pass breakups on Romeo Dobbs, and Romeo Dobbs has had a really, really stellar minicamp. Again, it means nothing. It really means nothing until pads come on, but Romeo Dobbs having a good, not minicamp, having good OTAs to that to this point is, is really good for him. Obviously, he struggled. He didn't struggle, but he wasn't as good as he was prior to his injury when he came back, but it sounds like Dobbs is coming out looking really strong. And then the third thing, a negative thing, Jordan Love committed the cardinal sin of quarterback play on the last play of practice in team drills, rolling to his right 
he threw back across his body over the middle of the field to the back of the end zone. Tarverius Moore jumped in front of it for the interception, jumped in front of Christian Watson for the interception. Again, it doesn't mean that much, but it's a mistake you got to learn from. Hopefully he will. Sounds like he's made a couple of those throws. Sounds like he made that throw like last week or something. So as long as I don't see it in a game, I'm not concerned. But, you know, let's let's not do that too much, Jordan. Um, but again, caveat, and this is pretty funny because I just talked about this for whatever, eight and a half minutes. The caveat is that none of this matters. Training camp, training camp where people have pads and it's like full on training camp doesn't mean that much. And that's in August with pads. OTAs and mini camps means about as little as any organized football activity. So it's okay. Don't worry. I know I just talked about it for eight minutes and 50 seconds. You might think you're wasting my time. Guys, it's fun to talk about. We're in the middle of June, right? But nothing you hear here, you hear here, wow, that's fun to say, should, you know, sway you too much in terms of what you think about the Packers this year. And then uh, a quick second bit of news. Matt LaFleur spoke, Romeo Dobbs spoke, all those guys spoke on what Matt LaFleur said. The biggest thing he did was praise Romeo Dobbs and the rest of the wide receivers. He praised Dobbs specifically, talked about how aggressive Dobbs's hands are, how violent his cuts are, how violently he runs. That's all super good. I talked about it a little bit uh, just, just a couple sentences back, but Romeo Dobbs, he's been, he's, he's a guy that when he came back in week, whatever it was, 15 against the Rams, you expected to really put up a lot of nice numbers playing with Christian Watson, right? And he didn't. He didn't quite show the same explosiveness. Now to hear that he's coming into OTAs and looking like this guy, the guy with these incredible hands with ridiculous cuts, violent running, that's what you want to hear. Sounds like he's really going to make a year two jump. That's exciting. He also praised Watson, Dobbs, and Toure. Mainly he praised Watson and Dobbs. Um, he was asked about sort of what signs there are for those all three of those guys having year two jumps. He said it goes back to the person. He talked for Romeo about how good Romeo's routine is, how Romeo has his own routine, how much he trusts and how much he knows that Romeo's going to use that routine, put the work in, and he's going to get better with that. He talked about how much of a leader Christian has become in the wide receiver room. He's also He also said that Christian's knowledge of the offense has greatly improved. Not surprising, right? Going from year one to year two, but that's nice. And then he said about Toure, quote, he's had his moment. So sounds like Toure, uh, not surprisingly, is not quite on the Watson or Dobbs tier, but sounds like Toure also may be in line for a year two jump. And then Jordan Love spoke. Jordan Love also praised Romeo, asked about his rapport with Romeo, said, quote, it's easy when you have a really good player. He said basically Romeo's running a lot of really good routes, so he's getting open a bunch. Also said that Romeo's been making a bunch of tough catches. That's all fun. Love. Also talked about the learning experience of his bad play that I mentioned. Basically said, you know, it's a good learning experience. Said he needs to know when to take those risks, when not to. Overall, I just love to hear Jordan Love talk. No pun intended. And he's been, I mean, it's just fun to hear. Jordan Love's been hiding behind Aaron. He said so himself. He talked about how in meetings last year, he's, he has to be this more quiet guy. He doesn't get to be as outspoken. It's sort of Aaron's job to control the room. Now Jordan gets that. Jordan can speak up. Jordan can, you know, add points in when he has a point. That's, it's just fun. It, I'm just happy that Jordan's getting this opportunity. And with that, with that news out of the way, we're going to dive into Carl Brooks, the defensive lineman born in Lansing, Michigan, 23 years old now, born in 2000. 
And yeah, he's a defensive lineman, but he was a wide receiver in high school, actually a track star, a basketball player. And you can kind of see, transitioning sort of to what he does now, you can kind of see how that track star, that basketball player mentality and athleticism has all translated to his play in the NFL or to the college level today. And looking at him athletically, Carl Brooks, six foot three, 303 pounds, 5.87, just above average RES score, decent size, size height in the 71st percentile, weight, again, 303 pounds in the 63rd percentile, bench press 28 reps in the 75th percentile, explosion, not very good explosion, had a 30th percentile vertical, a 57th percentile broad jump. Looking at his speed, he had a 67th percentile 40-yard dash time. That was good, decent speed there, but poor agility. A 12th, 12th percentile shuttle, that's atrocious, and a 67th percentile three-cone drill. So, decent athleticism, definitely not the type of guy the Packers typically go for. So that sort of, that tells you what kind of an athlete he is. Keep in mind, those are his numbers for the defensive tackle spot. So if you were to look at his numbers for the uh, edge spot, probably be significantly worse. That size would play in his favor. 303 pounds, 6'3", bigger than a lot of edges. But those would not be good numbers for an edge rusher. So, you know, keep in mind that RAS score, while it's not great, would be even worse if he were if it were calculated for an edge position, which he played some of. And speaking of sort of what he played in college, went to Bowling Green, he played five years, and he was very, very productive, both from the edge and from the inside. And he played both from the edge and from the inside. Bowling Green was able to to move him around. And I I do expect the Packers to move him around, sometimes use him on the edge, sometimes sometimes use him on the interior. But I think primarily, and the Packers have said this, primarily he's going to be an interior player for them. And looking at what he did in college, in 2018, he played nine games, pretty good for a freshman, 13 solo tackles, 19 assisted tackles, 32 total tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Sophomore season, 12 games, very good for a sophomore season, had 33 total tackles, eight and a half for a loss, and four and a half sacks. In his junior season in 2020, he only played three games, again, 2020, as you all know, it's pretty screwed up, but in those three games, He had 10 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, and two sacks. It's pretty good numbers for only playing three games. 2021, he played 12 games, so got back up to playing a bunch of games without the COVID-wrecked season. 42 total tackles, 12 and a half for a loss, and seven and a half sacks. That's ridiculous. Those are really good numbers, especially from the interior, and they just get better. Defensive end, this guy went off in his last year at Bowling Green. 13 games. 50 total tackles, 18 tackles for loss, and 10 10 sacks. I mean, a ridiculously productive college stint for Carl Brooks at Bowling Green. And a lot of people want to dismiss it, but in general, it's pretty risky to dismiss players who put up those kinds of numbers. Yeah, he was a sixth-round pick, and he was a sixth-round pick for the Packers, their only sixth-round pick, because he played at Bowling Green. But man, he was productive there, and that's that's good to see. Looking at his strengths, his pass rushing strengths. First of all, quick hands and violent hands. Carl Brooks' hands are fast and mean, and I think the best way I can describe it, there was a clip of him at the Senior Bowl, and he got up, he rushed an offensive lineman, 
And the first thing he did in his rush move obviously took a, a good first step. And then the first thing he did was he swatted the offensive lineman's hand away. And then he went to the quarterback. Except he couldn't quite get to the quarterback because the offensive lineman somehow got his hands back up. And Carl Brooks pulled the exact same swipe, swatting the hands away, slipping right past the guard that time, and getting to the quarterback. And it's that sort of quick ability to double swipe these hands, get past them, get to the quarterback that's super impressive. Sometimes he doesn't have the best hand placement, but a lot of the time his hands are in a beautiful place. He had some bull rushes last year where he got his hands right up and under a guard's pads and just buried him back into the pocket. It's his mean, his violent hands that make him such a dynamic pass rusher. And then on top of that, he showed a massive pass rush repertoire. And there were just, throughout his tape, little moves sprinkled in there that are really exciting to see. He showed a very good bull rush, especially when he gets his hands in the right place, when he gets them under the pads of the tackle or guard that he's going against. Boom, hands in the right place, and then he just drives, drives the offensive lineman back. He can also, off of the bull rush, he can jump into a little slip move, a bull slip move, where he engages with the tackle, he then gets his hands in the right place, looks like he's ready to bull rush a tackle, and then just drops his hands, uses his quickness to step and get around the guard or tackle. And then in addition to that, in addition to those power moves, he's shown a chop move, he's shown a swim move, where he's very good at getting his hands out, and then quickly chopping his hands in on the guard, slipping right past them. It's that repertoire, it's that vast variety of moves that gets you excited and makes you think, yeah, that's why he was so productive. And if that can translate, that's going to be really exciting. And then sort of the third thing is his quickness. He is very quick. He has a very quick first step. And that's great, great to see because that quick first step allowed him to do so many things from a pass rushing standpoint. It allowed him to get into all of his moves. He could use that first step to quickly get on a guard and then chop and get around him. Or he could use that first quick step to get in, get on a guard, and then stick his hands up, get under their pads, and bull rush them, sort of stunning them back into the pocket. The quickness, the quick hands, those are two massive strengths that you see, and then they all play into that big pass rush repertoire that he used so well, and that's why he was so effective as a pass rusher. Ten sacks in his last season. When you're doing that as sort of a semi-edge, semi-defensive lineman, very impressive. Looking at some of his pass rushing weaknesses, the biggest one, or actually, this isn't his biggest one, one of them, one of the smaller ones, is his power from the interior. Brooks, he's, he's massive as an, as an edge defender, yes, but when he's an interior guy, he's a little bit smaller, right? Looking at his RES score, from a defensive tackle, measured as a defensive tackle, he had a 71st percentile height and weight in the 63rd percentile. So when you're looking at that, that's not as massive, right? 303 pounds, six foot three. That's a tremendously large edge rusher, but it's not as large of a of an interior guy. And so he sometimes doesn't quite get the power from the middle, that power rush from the middle that you want to see. It's not a major issue, honestly, especially considering how good he was from the edge with power and a lot of the time what he showed from the interior. But sometimes if he doesn't get his hands in the right place, he can struggle to drive guards back. And then the biggest pass rush weakness was level of competition. If Brooks had shown what he showed at Bowling Green for someone like Alabama or Louisiana or Clemson, right? My God, this guy would have been a top, top pick. However, there's just a lot of questions about how good the people he was going against were, right? Like, 
yeah, he pulled off this phenomenal bull rush where he got his hands in the right place, drove the guard back, where he pulled off this phenomenal chop move, quick first step, violent hands. But was he doing that against a future NFL guard? Was he doing that against an average college guard? Or was he doing that against a future gym teacher of America, right? No offense to people who played at Central Michigan or whoever plays against Bowling Green, right? But that's just, it's, it's a very valid concern that you have to take into account when you're looking at Carl Brooks's pass rushing production and skills because was his bull rush actually so good? Was his quickness actually so quick? Or did he look faster because of his competition? Looking at run defense, biggest strength. One thing that pops off the screen is his disruption. And he uses his quickness to create disruption. He's able to take that quick first step and just dominate a gap, penetrate a gap and get up towards the running back. And that penetration, that's something that the Packers def desperately need because they have a lot of big bodies that can get washed out. Carl Brooks is a guy, hopefully, at least he showed at Bowling Green, he's a guy that he can jump through a gap and get up there and create a lot of havoc, disrupt a run game. It would be so great if that translate because the Packers could really use that. And then the second strength he had was setting the edge from the interior. You know, we'll talk about how good he was from a pass rush, from a run defense standpoint. Honestly, it's very questionable how good he was from a run defense standpoint on the interior, but at the edge, my God, he was good because he's so big. And when his hands were properly placed, he could dominate opposing linemen. He could use his hands, get under an opposing guard tackles he could set a base and hold an edge super super well very impressive love to see that and that's something that the Packers might be able to utilize even in year one Carl Brooks at the edge setting the edge on an obvious running down run defense weaknesses the biggest one is disengagement I have questions about his ability to hold up against the run on the interior I, simply I just need him to get better at disengaging. He has shorter arms, smaller hands. That all leads to questions about his ability to shed a guard, get off it, and tackle the running back. And that's just something I'm going to need to see more of. That's maybe the biggest thing that you didn't see from him in college was him disengaging and making a tackle. And then the second question, I'm sorry, it's the level of competition, right? He's just not playing at that most elite level. And so you're going to have to see whether or not that disruption translate. Does he still have that quickness to get through a gap and terrorize a running back? You're going to need to see whether he's able to, on the interior, hold up against the run. Whether he's able to, when Creed Humphreys coming down his neck, is he able to stand up, hold his ground, and execute a block like you want him to? And I'm sure that he has the ability to, especially if he works on his hand placement, but it's, it's a super valid question considering the types of people he was going against. Lastly, the last thing I want to mention is his energy. Carl Brooks is a dog, man. He's super energetic, and he just gets after it. Against the pass, he does not give up. Even if his first two tries don't work out, right, somehow he's out of the play, or he thinks he's out of the play, or the quarterback thinks he's out of the play, he's going to hustle back, and he's going to look to hunt down the quarterback. It's the same thing against the run. He just gets right after the ball carrier, and that energy is exactly what you want on the Green Bay Packers. It's super exciting, and the best defenses. They come and they fight and they rally to the football, and that's the mentality Carl Brooks is going to bring to your defense. Looking at what he can bring to the Packers from day one, he's going to be a rotational guy. He's not going to be your every down, you know, three tech defensive tackle. He's going to take these occasional snaps on third and 10, an obvious passing down. He might cycle into the interior to give Slayton a rest. And then he's going to get a lot of those snaps from the interior against the pass where you're going to see if he can use his power, quickness, and hands when his only job is to get after the quarterback. 
If he gets some run defense snaps, those will maybe come in a super obvious running down. And that'll be the Packers put him on the edge, put him on the edge in a five-man line and say, look, Carl, all we want you to do here is set the edge. Hold the edge. Don't let the back get outside of you. And that's going to be his immediate impact, right? On obvious passing downs, he's going to come in. His only job, get after the quarterback. Show your flashes. His only job in the run game, use your strength on the edge against the tackle and set that edge. And then in the future, the future's totally unknown. And that tends to be what happens with later round picks. But Carl Brooks could be anything. I think most likely he probably becomes a, you know, a middling player for the Green Bay. Well, no, actually playing the statistical game, chances are he's bad and gets cut in, in a couple of years. However, I hope with Carl Brooks, I think he has the potential to be a decent player for the Packers where he's good on passing downs. He's developed against passing downs and he's a guy that you can use against the pass. And then against the run, he just gets serviceable. And he's just a guy you can throw in there and not worry about getting absolutely diced up. If he really improves in the run game and the pass game, that would be obviously super valuable. But it's impossible to predict what he's going to be in the future. If he's going to be a decent player, he's going to need to improve in the run game, going to need to improve in the pass game. But more than anything, man, we just need to see how everything translates with him because he showed all that you'd want him to show at Bowling Green. And you're just going to have to see whether that, whether those hands, whether that quickness, that repertoire, that disruption, his ability to set the edge, his ability to hold up against the run from the interior, does that all translate? Because if it does, man, he's going to be a hell of a player. That is all that I have for you. I will be back on Sunday discussing your questions. So get ready for that. Can't wait for that. But that is what I have as always. Thank you very much for listening to Dedicated Packers. And until next time... Go Pack Go!